Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse, Code, and Crown, as well as three event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town, The Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merch Merchandise today. Welcome back to Curse, Code, and Crown, a live play Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse, Code, and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers. Laura Elizabeth as the Orc Countant Eta and Princess Gwendolyn. Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom. McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse, Code, and Crown! Our story began when a turtle decided to leave his swamp. He now returns in chains. Uh, Maka, Gwendolyn, Ita, and Duncan, uh, you have been... Uh, taken captive uh, by Ginkgo Greenleaf and his uh, small delegation of incredibly large, incredibly deadly looking turtles. Um, there are those moments we've described previously where um, all of you kind of realize, um, particularly for Duncan and, and Gwendolyn, how relatively sheltered you were in Orville. There was 
like we talked about this a bit last episode with with um the folks from Dale but or from Dalen rather but uh just that idea of like Duncan's been in some incredibly tough fights in Orville and then since getting sort of planet side it's just like oh there are some big scary things down here that have been alive for a really long time and have only done this that just the human world really had no experience with post uh, Necrotus War and unfortunately these turtles look look that way they are like if you remember, uh, I believe it was Toka from um, uh, Secret yep. of the Use. So, like, snapping turtle sides, like, big fucking just muscle-bound, uh, you know, the the Dwayne the Rock Johnson in um, pain and gain-sized turtles um, with uh, sort of spiked shells. Um, and, of course, uh, Grinko, uh, Ginkgo Greenleaf, who... Sorry, Ginkgo Longleaf. Longleaf. Longleaf, thank you. Every time, oh, man. Longleaf. Every time. Right. We all uh, have struggled with this one. So yeah, yeah, I, did, sorry, I didn't catch it at all. Bad naming, Tom. Um, <laughs> right, Longleaf, thank you. I'm going to write that down because I'm going to fuck that up. Longleaf <laughs> translates to Greenleaf in English. <laughs> Don't even, man. Can't I can't do that shit. It's even got alliteration. Like I even followed the Marvel yeah. rules of of you know Peter Parker, Reed Richards, Sue Storm, and it still didn't work. So thanks for nothing, Stanley. Peter Parker, Bruce Banner, and Ginkgo Longleaf. <laughs> <laughs> He's the greatest superhero of all. Ginkgo Longleaf. What's his power? He's got long leaves. <laughs> Kirby's just like political machinations. <laughs> He's like, pulls his cigar. He's like, just give me four hours, Stan. I'll get it done. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, anyway, so uh, Ginkgo, however, uh, looks like shit. And honestly, so does his entourage. Um, they are, uh, they're like, not not a, a full-blown like flu, but kind of like, you know, uh, you know how when people are, are sick in, um, in ads for like uh, Kleenex and things, it's just kind of that like vaguely dopey, like kind of stuffed up. Um, their tortly eyes have like a, a sort of a crusty kind of discharge under them that almost looks like tears. Um, and uh, uh, there's a lot of sneezing and horking and spitting going on, which is like really unsettling from like giant turtles, but it's it's what's going on. Um, but uh, they are quite, um, there's a, a, a tense air as you make your way uh, back towards the islands of Bleen, um, largely because uh, Ginkgo's uh, mission was clearly co- uh, cut short, um, the the sort of expedition to Sprongbrek, um, but also because no one really knows what the fuck to make of the return of Maka Deathcap. Um, mm. They've said nothing about this. Uh, they are clearly, Duncan, you would notice that the soldiers are well-disciplined, uh, despite being real tough. Uh, like We're talking like dock worker thug level, like, these guys will not only fuck you up, they'll also just go in there and fuck up your ship level guys. And yet they have um, seemingly some element of military discipline. There's none of the, like, cause I think you would probably draw a parallel between these guys and thugs you saw back in uh, Orville about just like, yeah, these are like when the money lender is going around who goes with him. Oh, it's like four giant fuckers who look like these guys. Um, but those guys would always be, you know, shooting the shit and being kind of generally undisciplined. I think you always took that as an advantage, but also kind of like, fuck you. Like Dawnbreakers have a code and like, <clears throat> we're disciplined. Even if I am the one who's drinking in a bar alone, shut up. Um, so uh, you're, you're 
you notice it. You clock that these guys do seem like like professionals, and I think that adds to your sense of maybe I should try and fight all of them right now. Uh, well, which, he doesn't need a diplomatic incident, anyways. Like this is yeah. So on that note, um, you're being uh, marched back towards the the islands of Bleen, um, leaving uh, Fortress Sprongbreck uh, far behind you. Um, you've been uh, you've been marching for a few hours. Um, you you have been told that that uh, the um, the sort of like boat network that will take you into the islands themselves uh, is not far um, from your current location now. After walking for a few hours. Um, but it does mean that uh, the four of you get a chance to talk. They're not, they they won't let you have like a big, long conversation, but you can definitely have muttered um, sort of like little interactions here and there, uh, largely because, again, it's a long walk. And um, they're also contending with uh, their varying degrees of uh, like cough, cold, sore throat, runny nose, need fix vapor rub or some shit so there are there are enough gaps with them just at all being like angrily like wiping snot away and that sort of thing that you can you can kind of have uh, a minor conversation is uh i think first of all let's just kind of hear where all of you are at um because if you recall you were kind of like ambushed uh out of nowhere so uh ryan you kind of already segued into this so um what where's duncan at with this what's what's going through duncan's head as, as you're being marched uh duncan is supremely bothered uh this he should not be subject to this court, but if he's going to be, then he is. I think his primary focus once they arrive, because he doesn't think anybody on this walk is going to listen to like anything. Uh, he knows, okay, worst case scenario, he and Maka have to go to court because they both actively partook in this. But Gwendolyn was like in a different body and in a different room and Ida had no idea what was going on. So his first plan is to just get them the fuck out of the case if he can and then try to argue for necessity and maybe win over the turtles to go against the Sinkai because it seemed fucking awful. Also, he's kind of fucked up with the idea that Sinkai may have brought people to this planet. That's just a dark hovering thing in the back of his head that he heard from that the dwarven person at the end of the last thing. And that's kind of messing with him a bit. Yeah, fair enough. It would, and it should. <laughs> um, uh, Laura, um, where is Gwendolyn at with this? Um... Gwendolyn's pretty annoyed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, basically she spent, uh, you know, a while being a prisoner in her own body, prisoner to like Karen, mm -hmm. and then out of her body, not knowing, you know, if she was going to survive. And then to immediately be taken prisoner is like not sitting well. So there's a lot of harumphing going on. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of like like kind of like dirty looks being thrown at I like, like Ginkgo. I love that and the other turtles. As as a suit of armor. And like this is a, like having done some mask work and like observed a bunch of mask work, a hundred percent of thing you could do, but just like throwing shade with an armored helm is so different from like giving side eye because it's well, literally like that jaunty angle at which the, the, the helmet turns. Well, she has I also a metal... think there's a lot of like, if you like turn to the side and be like, kind of like looking back yeah. oh, 100%, like, and then looking yeah. forward again. Like... She also has a metal face of her own now though. If we remember, which is, she got that at the end yeah. of the session. Are you- Which is like, I wouldn't say it's a scowl, but she's not, it's not like, um, 
you know it's an imperious look <laughs> yeah. kind of thing now yes <laughs> for, for my own clarity because it, it's been a hot sec since we last played uh and by a hot sec i mean we are recording now in april we recorded last in november so um are you wearing the face on the outside of the helmet or are you wearing it inside the helmet so you can like crank down the uh the guard um i think it was inside that's kind of what i remember I think that's as well. what we said yeah, yeah. Makes sense so to me. yeah great um, yeah. So yeah. So it'll be like it'll be like basically like like pulling down like the, yeah. 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 Well, so what I particularly love about that then is yeah. So the cut eye is like like full head tilty cut eye, but then also inside there's just like an expressionless scowling metal face. So it's like equally uh-huh. upsetting. Uh, that's great. I love that. Uh, <laughs> Very good. Um, I'm getting like strong Destro from G.I. Joe vibes now from, from Gwendolyn. Just like in my head, I know it's probably not the shiny, but in my head, it's just like a chrome face. Um, it wouldn't be based on the materials Karen had access to, but like a boy can dream. Ita, uh, you have only recently joined the party. However, you do feel they're, they're the best chance you've got at unraveling exactly what's going on in the Empire of Numbers, both in terms of like the threat to your person, but also... As someone who is a, a big fan of ordered systems, uh, mm. the idea of of this is uh, this is bad. Math is clean. Um, deception, betrayal, and people are chaos. And um, it is too much for one orc countant to solve. But uh, <laughs> perhaps with a retinue, uh, you can have some help. That said, um, weirdly, kind of similar to Maka, I think you're your world has been so, so laser focused on your studies and your areas of interest in academia mm-hmm. that um, you kind of went from zero to a hundred. Like it was like, yeah. uh, you know, in Jurassic Park terms, it's like, this is, yeah, this is all hypothetical. And then they're like, well, here's dinosaurs. And we also cloned a bunch of Jurassic plants. And it's just like both Dr. Grant and Dr. Stanley being like, what did you do? Like you idiots. So you're suddenly everything's real. You're under arrest for the first time. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone tried to kill you the other day. You thought maybe getting out of Sprongbrek would be, this would be smooth sailing all the way to the empire um, because Ida has not listened to the other episodes of the show. So did not know what yeah. to expect. Yeah. Um, you're under arrest. Uh, you're being marched to um, the consortium of Bleen. You would know of Bleen, but I think you probably haven't paid too much attention to it. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, what is, uh, what's going through Ida's head? Um, I, I, I think she's kind of like saying aloud occasionally, like if she makes eye contact with someone, like one of the, like one of the turtles, anyone, she's like, this, this does not, this does not make sense. I do not understand why this is happening. Uh, I, I believe that I should be returned, no, to solve my own problems. I, I uh, this is not a concern to me. Um, and why is uh, this happening? Ginkgo turns around and just like horks out, uh, just a, a mouth full of, of uh, a gooey black substance uh, that just hits a tree casually. And um, he turns back and he says, <clears throat> If I had a dollar for every time someone tried to get out of being arrested with, oh, it's up to someone else. I would have so many bleen bucks. I could buy a hotel. Shut up. I mean, to be clear from the side, though, she actually was uninvolved. These two had nothing to do with it. Maka and I 
we're gonna have to try to see what plea bargains work or technicalities but those two no idea what happened yeah that's fine that's what courts are for if indeed you are not involved in any of this you will be fine but please for now and i i raise my like assumedly manacled hands yep um, just put put a finger up. It's just like, um, also, you appear to be quite ill. Uh, do you not have physicians? Also, is it contagious? Um, and uh, he just kind of chuckles and shakes his head. And he says, uh, we don't know. We haven't had visitors. We have, obviously, we have physicians. We're very, very advanced. We have lots of resources available to us. Uh, and then he like sniffles and does that like, that thing that only like people who have like terrible allergies uh, or anything else do where you just, you've given up. So it's just like full, like arm across nose, like wiping snot up the side of his face, but clearly could not give a shit as long as it's out of like <laughs> the vicinity it's in right now. Just kind of like, you know, shakes his hand off and he says, we're fine. It's not nothing, but it's not the worst. Now, please just Shut up. Let diplomacy work. Um, and to himself, just, Duncan just thinks this is going to be the longest, grossest journey he's ever been on. Yeah, I look you, to the other three. I'm like, does diplomacy mean being silent? Is that what this is here? Is it different than it is in the Empire of Numbers? Generally, diplomacy involves uh, speaking, conversing, having a dialogue. No? Um, one of the turtles leans down. Um and uh, she just mutters, yeah, listen, um, you're correct. He's mm, a bit of an idiot. Best to just kind of let him have this one until we get back to, uh, to Sour, okay? Just trust me on this. This is very frustrating. People who are incorrect should be corrected. <laughs> and then I just go on keep walking. <laughs> um, she looks at you like you don't see it because you've already looked away because like th- the interaction was over. Um, but she looks at you with just the long suffering eyes of a retail worker um, <laughs> and just kind of like nods, nods to herself. And like, uh, Duncan, I imagine you're probably keeping an active eye on all these 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 cats, right? Yeah, yeah, this is his new favorite turtle. I think he'll try to give that same long suffering. Well, nod. I was going to say you see so kind of like over your heads because they're all huge uh that glance gets passed around like an energy ball in an improv mm. warm-up um there's just a lot of like uh of of and you see varying reactions but um duncan you you're immediately filled with with some sense of uh of kindred spirits yeah yeah and also like opportunity yeah. legitimately because it's just like again in terms of we talked a lot about <laughs> the idealized version of the Dawnbreakers that existed in Duncan's head from childhood of just like, this is what it would be. And it very much is like a musketeers being like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Fuck it. You're right. They all have like their own version of it, but it's a lot of like, they're all in full agreement with Ida. Like there's no question that these, these turtles <laughs> fucking hate Ginkgo Longleaf, um, nice. which based on his reputation at Sprongbrek doesn't come as a surprise because he seems like a diplomat who is known for like wrecking orgy rooms like he's like a FIFA executive. He's just there for you to throw money at him so that he can be like, maybe 
Bye. All right. Then I think Duncan will change his strategy for the rest of the trip, which is he would like to be as polite and like reasonable as possible with the guards and then do whatever he can to slightly embarrass or make Ginko Longleaf look stupid in a way that won't get Ginko mad at anyone other than maybe Duncan. But I feel like he mm-hmm. thinks he can win over those people by being the like, make the dumb guy look bad. Okay. This is an interesting, this is, a, I like this a lot. This is an interesting way to play it. Um, make the dumb guy look bad. Wonderful. <laughs> well, he's yeah. also rude and arresting people. I know. Who are really I know. Innocent, it's, just so like, fuck him. Yep. it's just like as a phrase on its own. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, like, who am I to dictate t shirts? But like, <laughs> um, all right. So, um, Ryan, I think uh, I was going to give you a, a list of skills you could try, but rather than that, uh, let's do something a bit smarter. Um, how do you think you would attempt to do this? Um, keeping in mind, this is a relatively uneventful trip. Um, after, um, based on your your adventures in the Shadowlands, um, you've actually essentially neutralized one of the biggest threats to this entire region, um, because that that whole situation is under new management and being reworked. And as a result, like it's it's people who are used to this being an active, not an active war zone, but like a really really dangerous trail. Hence the giant muscle um suddenly finding themselves walking it safely so it's a relatively uneventful in a lot of ways like that boring part of police work that you know cop shows never show where it's just like paperwork or like sitting in a car for nine hours uh it's that part so you do have some opportunities here i'm curious to hear on this relatively uneventful walk what are you trying to do to uh make ginkgo longleaf look like a putz Hello everyone, uh, this is Tyler Hewitt, just coming at you with a little special offer for you. You know, if you're a fan of uh, what we're doing here on the show, then we have, to borrow a phrase from Jerry Holkins, a patron-oriented experience tailored just for you. If you go to patreon.com slash dice. You can sign up and get a bunch of special features that we're not really going to make available to anyone else, so do that. Now. Well, not right now, but, you know. Okay, so I think there's two steps to this. There's getting the guards to like him and embarrassing Ginkgo Longleaf, which also might get the guards to like him. So I I would argue there's a performance role and there is a persuasion role. And I think the persuasion is trying to get... Because guys like that always make bad calls with staff at all times. Like, there's a bunch of inefficiencies and weird chores that are assigned. And I think... He'd be playing it all off very Duncan as charming Duncan. The persuasion is trying to get Ginkgo to decide things that will make life easier for the crew or to let little things mm. go. Uh, the performance is because he's ha- he wants to engage in conversations with Ginkgo that make Ginkgo feel that he's important, but actually involve Ginkgo telling incredibly embarrassing stories about his own failures that would clearly entertain the guards behind them without Ginkgo knowing that he is playing this interlocutor kind of role. That's very good. Um Here's a question. Um, this is weird. This is a DM question that I'm going to ask you as I think a player and a character. Um, should I check in with Maka to see where Maka's at with all of this in the off chance that that gives you additional information or... I think, yeah, he can use it. Like, I th- it, it feels like day one was figuring out what the fuck the vibe was if this Amazing. is a two-day journey and day two is... Okay, so hang tight on those rolls. Yeah. Let's see where Maka's at and then that might... If Maka is doing things that might give you additional inroads or other things, it's basically like if you just spent a skill point in a video game on like additional dialogue options. So let's let's see where that leads us. Uh, yeah, um, Maka, um, 
it is weird coming home. Um, you, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot going on here. You're not, um, too lean yet. So there, there's still obviously that gap. Um, but, uh, obviously this is a pretty big thing for you. Um, what's going on for mock-up? Well, this seems like a terrible, uh, inconvenience, you know, given what we're trying to do here, uh, you know, there's only like, like uh, Maka would never phrase it this way, but I think it's, there's this level of frustration of like, you know, there's only a global curse afflicting <laughs> the population that we chosen few are attempting to stop and reverse. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we haven't made much headway and we've, there have been, you know, these diversions and things like that. And this is just like another one. And it, it's just like, under arrest for what for what for, like for what <laughs> kind of, i think it's just so <laughs> to kind of give it like maka's spin on it it's he's probably very perplexed and kind of looking at opportunities to remove himself and his companions from this situation so that they can carry on their mission okay all right um can you roll me Well, um, he may not need to roll for this. Uh, would Maka be doing that by observing the situation and trying to kind of pull things from it? Or given that Maka does tend to lean a bit more blunt, is that frustration, uh, which I, I don't think would come across as like anger, but like, are you just blatantly asking them these sorts of things or just like, like I need know- to go unleash Panthers. <laughs> yeah, like I guess I, I'm basically wondering if you're, like the character in usually like a disaster movie, like a, an Independence Day or a, you know, 2012 or a day after tomorrow, who's like, no, like the FBI shows up and arrests you right before you're going to stop the calamity. And you're like, you don't understand. If we don't do this, I don't, Dante's peak is going to explode. They're like, <laughs> we got to hold you to just slow the plot down a little bit. And it's just like, are you yelling at them about this or are you just trying to find, basically, are you taking Duncan's approach to try and find the spots where you can add those wedges or are you making the, the sentiments you just expressed clear to them? I think he's, taking information in i think he would be asking about like what are the charges why are my companions being charged as well that kind of thing um but also you know if if the evidence is there that maybe this is where we need to go as well you know like day one of this thing kind of observing everyone is sick and hearing that like physicians and healers are confounded by it is this the mark of whatever curse is keeping people from, from, from uh, keeping the cycle from going on kind of thing? Is this, is this the mark of something greater that we've been fighting against all along? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I like that. So I think the, the day one label is valuable now. Um, a few of you have sort of spoken about it and we're, we're kind of circling it. So um, we're going to say this is a two day journey uh, just for ease of our brains. Um but as with uh, a lot of the way we've been playing this game, I don't want you to think about them as like, oh, we have so much time. And like at the campfire, we can say all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. Like it really is if prisoners were being transported, unlike a lot of movie sequences where it's like, oh, like I just watched 310 to Yuma for, in prep for a different show we do. 
And like the amount of just conversations they have with Russell Crowe being like, I'm going to convince you of things. And they're like, no, maybe it's insane. It's like such a wild crutch. I'm just going to bring you up to speed. Like the beginning of Skyrim on this prison wagon. (laughs) (laughs) I love that a modder just took that scene out being like, it's a better game. And I'm like, no, man, you got to see that guy on the cart. Um, All that to say, um, it's going to be two days, but it's not a chatty two days. So yeah. as we've already been describing, I like the idea of day one being an observation day and day two is kind of the tactical day where like Duncan takes his, his shot at trying to embarrass Ginkgo and get the, the soldiers on side. Um, I guess what that means is we can kind of take this as you get one major action each day. Um, I think, Laura, I like where you're at with Gwendolyn and Ida that they aren't actively doing anything because I think Gwendolyn's yeah. first reaction would just be like for someone who's had nothing but freedom forever to suddenly have none three times in a row. <laughs> like we've seen it in real life right now during COVID, just the amount of people who are like, I've never been told I have to wear a thing before. Fuck you. Um, so I like that. And also Ida just being confused based on, on rules, I think is delightful. Yeah. Duncan is observing to see how he can fuck things up. Um, Maka, roll me a nature check, please, to see if you can ascertain whether the sickness is related to the curse. You either die at the hands of a Karen or live long enough to become one. <laughs> oh, uh, 11. A Karen rises. Um, 11. Okay. Um, so as a uh, long ago, um, when uh, you, you went by um, uh, Tenga rather than, uh, than Death Cap, um, you were an apothecary and you spent time that that era of your life is very foggy at best. Yeah. Um, but because those skills transferred over to your, your gravekeeper duties, um, I think those things stand a bit higher in your, your recollection. Um, this definitely does seem abnormal. This isn't something you're familiar with from, from total uh, physiology. It's not something you've seen before. It looks similar to a bunch of other stuff you've seen, but all of the symptoms don't add up to anything that you can easily pull to mind. Uh, that said, um, it's been a long time since you've dealt directly with, with sickness. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were um, sort of creating uh, various cures and tonics and remedies um, with uh, the cluster and with the spores, it was a much different beast. It wasn't like, oh, uh, you've got a cough. This will fix that. It was more, um, to some extent, holistic, but also just a different vibe. Because um, mm. you were at, you were, rather than looking at ingredients and mixing them, you were communing with the ingredients and almost orchestrating them. Right. Yeah. Um, so this does look abnormal, though, as as you uh, would understand it. Unfortunately, with an eleven, you can't tell much more from here. But uh, it's definitely enough to suggest that, yes, this might be something bigger, um, but you'll likely wait until you reach sour to know no more. Um, So the first day passes then um, with uh, with that. Um, Do you make overtures about uh, your compatriots not being involved? Uh, Yeah, yeah, definitely. uh, You know, um... Yeah, I think even almost to like prove a point, I would like gesture to Duncan and be like, who is this man to you? Do you know his name? Um, and uh, weirdly, Maka, you find that um, more so perhaps than Ita, you're getting the cold shoulder 
from everyone. No one is uh, acknowledging your questions, speaking to you. They are just giving you like full, <laughs> for lack of better analogy, full Amish shunning treatment, where it's just like you're present, you're in chains, but they're not acknowledging you. Then like someone who's being ignored, but knows they're right. I just start talking louder. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> who are any of these people to you? I am Maka Deathcap. You know me. You have charged me with a crime. Hmm? Yes. But who, who are they to you? What do they mean to you? Hmm? Just, just being ignored. <laughs> it's being Can loud you, uh... and being ignored. This is a, this is a bold one for Maka. I think. Can you roll me an intimidation check? It's not that you're physically threatening them. It's just you're, you're just trying to get aggressively louder. Can you so, bully them into communicating? Yeah, honestly, it's a, it's a ten. <laughs> they are well disciplined. They just kind of let you go. Um, for the uh, for the guards, uh, you get that sort of professional um, prison transport vibe, where it's just like. You know, they're they're used to people uh, protesting. That said, these guys aren't cops, right? Like they're they're meant to protect Ginkgo on on his travels. Um, <clears throat> Ginkgo himself seems to be frustrated, but is also um, just trying to stay looking like a cool guy while dealing with the face explosion. Mm. Um, and so. You can tell he's irked, but not so much so that he's going to respond. Um, by the end of the first day, Maka, um, your your efforts having been somewhat unsuccessful, I think you you determine that uh, you know that um, Bleen is is big on. Um, there's a, a big court system, a lot of lawsuits. These were all things that you paid no attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I but- very much like lived on the outside of that. Yeah. For sure. But I think you were aware in a distant way, uh, largely because the people who came in search of you would often mention it. Uh, and you got dumb requests like um, I need like a hex to, I don't know, win a property dispute, which was just not at all what you were. Just these about. people bringing the noise of their lives into my swamp. <laughs> yeah. So I guess all that to say you're familiar with this noise. <laughs> yeah. This wrecking it. Tracks for you. <laughs> Um, and then there's this fast talking donkey who showed up and then you had to go on a big quest. Um, but, um, you, by the end of the first day, I think realized that you're not really going to get answers to any of this. And also that said, um, based on your understanding of the, the commerce system of, of Blean, um, despite being very noisy as you would define noise, um, it is fair to a degree in that they care about their systems, not that the systems themselves are in any way just or fair or equal, but they do care about the systems. So the odds of your compatriots getting the sort of treatment and re-examination you're asking for is very high once you arrive in Sour. Right. Um, unfortunately, it seems like these guys are not going to entertain any of that uh, from here to there. Mm. So with that, uh, Duncan, you've now observed a full day of Maka trying to get a rise out of, not even a rise, but trying to, to get anything. the reconsideration. Um, does that play into your, your plans or your strategy at all? 
Um, I think, yeah, he's never going to play to the idea that they should be let go. He's not going to play on the injustice of the situation. I think he's going to drop that and he's focusing purely on like the social aspects of trying to like win people over hearts and minds style mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where clearly the Ginkgo and the Ginkgos of the world are not going to be of great use. But if there are decent professionals struggling through, then there are clearly people who know the system might not be working. And those are way more important friends to have in mm-hmm, Duncan's mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, on the second day, um, the, the, the camp is quiet, uh, purposefully so. Um, there is uh, some murmuring of concern um, about uh, denizens of the Shadowlands still perhaps being active. Um, Gwendolyn, uh, Maka, and Duncan, you're pretty certain that won't be an issue. But again, old <laughs> habits. Uh, also, no, no like caravan... Uh, vanguard in their right mind be like oh you said it's not a problem anymore well fuck it let's all get high like <laughs> they're they're still very much um, putting in the, the amount of effort that Duncan I think you observing them would expect from professionals with this kind of like delicate shitty cargo of ginkgo longleaf in their uh, in their charge um, but the next day you're on your way to uh, to the boats Um Duncan, having observed Maka's uh, failure the day before, you've reformulated your plan somewhat. Uh, you're going with a performance and a persuasion, I believe. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. And performance is for the... Performance is to have the conversation with Ginko where he tells me stories, not aware that yep. he's making yeah, yeah, himself yeah. look dumber and dumber. So that's the performance. And then the the persuasion is... Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Is the, for the, the soldiers. I'll give you advantage on the persuasion based on your observations of uh, how Maka approach things. I think with Ginkgo, you're still kind of at, at zero, largely because like people that shitty, there's a limit to how much wiggle room you have because it's just like, oh no, I get it. You're going to do anything possible to save your completely worthless ass. So I can't really... <laughs> There's not a whole lot of wiggle room there. That's just how it's going to be. No, but here's the joy of it. Duncan is a professional wiggler because he will use his full swashing abilities uh, to to use a swashing point so he can use an ability that I have called braggadocio, which means I can give myself advantage on a charisma saving throw or skill check in which I am proficient, which includes this. So Amazing. Also, it is worth mentioning uh, for those of you viewing and and listening uh, that uh, our party has leveled up. Uh, after their their long trials in Sprongbrek, uh, everyone has reached level eight. So there, there might be some cool new powers kicking around that mm-hmm. I also don't know about. So good luck, my planned encounters. We'll mm-hmm. see what happens. All right. So for the performance, it is a 26. Yeah. For the <laughs> persuasion, it is a 23. Mm, I mean, after that 26, I was expecting more, but I guess I'll take it. All right. Amazing. So yes, you succeed in, in both your tasks. Uh, describe, uh, describe what happens. Um, I think you would probably, so in terms of security, there's always stuff that's like actually necessary that, you know, bodyguards always want to do, but their clients won't let them. And then there's shit that the clients think needs to be important, but doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Which so is like at night, you know, the client, you know, Ginko would be the guy who'd want the security people right around the fire, which is like the least useful place to have them. Or he'd come up with his own patrol routes that don't make any fucking sense. Or he'd require them to wear all of their armor and carry all of their gear at all times, which just like tires you out and isn't smart. So I think yep. it's like trying to cut down on that shit is the persuade into like 
coming up with an idea that he's clearly, you know, either overheard people grumbling about or he knows, making Ginkgo think that's Ginkgo's idea, <laughs> and then just kind of making the day better for everybody. Uh, and in terms of the stories, I think he would open talking about that that orgy room. Like, I think it would be, instead of approaching Ginkgo, where his first instinct would be to try to challenge him on things, but he learned that that doesn't work here. I think it's way more coming up and trying to pretend to be like a fan, but with that like 10% mm. sarcasm that people don't always hear when they think yeah, someone thinks yeah. they're cool. So it's just getting Ginkgo to talk about his exploits about that time he did so much sex or whatever. And then just like other cool things he did at parties that clearly make it trying to make him sound like ed helms in uh the office whenever andy talks about like the cool things he did at cornell where he's yeah. like they call me boner champ because i got drunk and fucked a snowman and you're like this guy is not cool yeah <laughs> but he's so proud and i think that's that's yeah. the goal of conversation okay amazing um so yes this works tremendously well um uh, Ginko is is uh, he doesn't want to talk about um, the charges or anything else, but he's talking about himself. Uh, he's there, and also like you get the sense from the way he's telling the stories, and I, I like the Andy Bernard piece a lot. Like I think that is a good baseline for for Ginko, someone who truly thinks that they're they're very important, um, but with any amount of examination is is blatantly not. Um, there, no one. You can tell that like no one has ever asked him about this stuff. No one wants to hear about this stuff because everyone does think it's kind of gross and dumb. Um, as uh, as you would have observed, uh, Duncan, like Sprongbreck is a fucking hard sell to any proper diplomat. Like no, unless you're you're again like <laughs> continuing to shit on corrupt FIFA execs. If you're just there to like get a bunch of bonuses and free stuff and like enjoy yourself and then go home amazing if you're actually there to try and sort out trade you're fucked like that is not going to be a great time for you so um sure enough uh you know the the soldiers clearly agree um there's a lot of of chuckling those knowing glances keep keep dancing around um ida i think you're just confused as to why anyone would brag about like mm -hmm. the various places they threw up in an orgy room um based both on your academic understanding of orgies and vomiting neither of those things really should sync up in any way that's yeah. like there's no harmony there uh gwendolyn for you weirdly um you're you're having not necessarily like happy nostalgia but like a solid degree of nostalgia um, because like the court of Orwell as, as we described, like a lot of the representatives were just like hardworking people who were kind of like there to kiss the ring. But like, in terms of some of the higher level courtiers, like you fucking remember this sort of shit. I don't think Orwell's style was necessarily orgy rooms, but it was definitely yeah. like the amount of noble people cheating on other noble people in like you know, whatever closet or bedroom or sitting room they could find, like a lot of like Bridgerton um, mm -hmm. or uh, fucking Downton Abbey level shit, where it was like very blatant, but that was part of it. And like, you recognize this. Um, it's yeah. just weird that it's a giant turtle person talking about it. Cause it's just <laughs> different from like, you know, a kind of uh, paunchy, unimpressive guy who's like, Oh yeah, I have lots of sex. And you're like, sure, man, yeah. whatever you say. <laughs> Um, cool. So, uh, yeah, Duncan, you can feel that the, the soldiers are on side also like from their reactions, you do get the sense that like, this is a job for them. And once Ginkgo is safe and you guys are safely returned, uh, to sour the odds of, of them like 
sticking around and being on side with any of this shit are very low. Like they, you're, you're getting a good sense of kind of where everything goes, which to your, um, you're thinking around uh, how their court system must work is a good sign. If, if this is kind of the way things work, not everyone is as corrupt as, as Ginkgo. There seems to be legitimate systems you can play here that uh, you might not otherwise. Uh, I'm going to give you one point of inspiration um, for Ooh. your successful uh, scheming. Nice. Um, Maka, you observe all of this. Is there anything else you would be doing? Um, no, I think just patiently waiting for answers at this point. All right, fair enough. He's asked his questions and the answers will come. Um, and so at the end of the second day, you make it, uh, to the boats and, um, these are, uh, they're smallish, uh, they're not, they're not huge. There are a lot of them, um, as you, you kind of reach the, the edge of the woods and, um, uh, sort of see, uh, the, the amount of boats that have been pulled up. Um, there are a lot of, uh, ferry people just waiting, um, just kind of, uh, you know, doing that classic, uh, sort of, um, oh, Jesus, what's the, the sinking city? Venice? Venice. Venice. Um, just doing that, like sitting on the edge of your stick, like smoking a cigarette thing. It's <laughs> just like, someone's going to need a water taxi eventually. Um, but you're struck by just how many of these boats you see out on the water. Like there are a ton going to and fro and making their way, um, sort of in, in all, in all various directions. Uh, so yes, you see a, a turtle who kind of immediately, as you start to approach, um, starts getting the boat ready. Um, the boat itself is very fucking fancy um, for a small, essentially dinghy, um, somewhere between a dinghy and a gondola. Um, but it is well appointed. There's lots of cushions. Um, it uh, definitely seems like uh, it's been dressed for tourists, uh, if that makes any sense. Um, and uh, the, uh, the the fairy woman just kind of looks up and says, hmm. Uh, Kinko Longleaf, you've returned somewhat. And then she like wipes her nose um, and uh, coughs a bit and says, uh, sooner than expected. Hmm? Did things not go well with Fortress Sprongback? Uh, and he just puts up his hands. He's like, not as fun as some previous times, I gotta say, but <laughs> uh, we found a different kind of success. Hmm? I've been telling this one all about it. Chatty prisoner, but he's interested in a good story. Uh, and he points to Duncan. Correct. I've learned a lot about uh, his ambassadorship and the things he gets dirty down with. Um, and she just kind of gives you a strange look. Um, it's a look that, Duncan, you're becoming familiar with, with people who kind of only know of humans as mythical creatures who exist <laughs> in legend. Um, and uh, she says, hmm. Well, wait, did you get up to any of those adventures on this trip? And Ginko just shakes his head sadly. He's like, mm, no, unfortunately, uh, other matters pulled us aside. No fun for me this time around. And she just quietly pulls the plastic off the seats and just like t- tucks them back under. And she's like, great, then come on, come on aboard. Um, and with that, you all pile onto this, this dinghy and uh, the, the non-Venetian, definitely Venetian uh, gondolier um, she kind of gets up on the back, takes that that big pole, and just kind of um, edges you off uh, the uh, the edge of the shore, um, and uh, you begin to to venture kind of out onto the open water um, towards a a series of islands um, just scattered with uh, massive structures that you can see even at distance. 
um, you can see the, the glint of gold uh, quite firmly. And as the, the boat um, starts to reach the, the open water, the four of you finally arrive in Lean. This episode of Curse Code and Crown Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Code and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc. Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGeeTD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse, Code, and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Cuellar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Taryn Hefner, Cade Peters, Richard Cranium, Christian Mendez, Anna Zed, Eric Williams, Logan, Fire on Friendly, Great Dane, Acrix, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.